Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. So if you have been following us for a while, you know we talk about all kinds of topics around diversity, equity, and inclusion, and we do not shy away from critiquing some of the things that are happening in DEI. And so today, what I want to do is really talk about how are women um, growing as far as leadership development and moving up the ranks when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, there's been such a, a push for this over the last few years, but research is showing us that those numbers have not really grown much over the last four to five years. And so today my guest is Angel Henry, who is the ceiling breaker um, and talking about, you know, women's leadership development and how we can empower ourselves and how organizations can support us in breaking some of these ceilings and some of these barriers. So Angel, welcome to the show today. Hello. Hi, thank you for having me. I am so excited about this episode. So Angel, for those that may not know you, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you got into doing what you do? Oh my goodness, yes. Um, well, it, well, first off, again, I'm the ceiling breaker. And that comes from uh, the book that I wrote, Dents in the Ceiling, Tools Women and Allies Need to Break Through. And I wrote that at, at the start of it just being uh, a journal entry. It really was a journal mm -hmm. entry for um, myself. And I thought about being the only African-American female on the executive leadership team at um, a telecom firm in the Midwest. And, uh, and that got me thinking about all the other times where I had been the only sitting at the table um, at a tech uh, organization or, or on a team. And I thought to myself, yeah, I could share my story. That, that's an idea. But wouldn't it be so much more powerful to invite other women to share their stories with me? And I thought I was going to ask just three or four ladies and it was going to be a LinkedIn article. And it just it blew up to be an entire book and 30 other women uh, stories as well as mine. You know what I love about that? Um, one of the things that we hear so often and we know because we've experienced and you just spoke about it is we, we, we know what it feels to be like that lonely only. We know that um, for so many of us, it's just how we've lived our lives, right? Been, being the only, I've sat in that seat several times. Um, but then when you start to connect with the other lonely onlys, you realize that there's a community. And so, you know, what started as this journal entry to possibly a LinkedIn article to a book talks about the power of that community. And, you know, I, I love that. So as this collective, you know, what were some of the things that came out of these stories that were told? 
Yes, um, as, as we can all imagine, right? Uh, many, many examples of microaggressions, uh, mm. such as jokes being told that were absolutely not funny uh, and were harmful to women and or people of color or both. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then this underlying theme of being treated like the maid. Uh, and by that, I mean being the support person on the team mm-hmm. or in the department, always being the one um, coming up with the community service events, always the one doing what we call the soft skills work, uh, mm-hmm. such as um, mediation between an, a, a two employees or another supervisor and employee, being the go-to person uh, in the organization for um, emotional support uh, or support for someone that's trying to move up the ranks and they need a coach or a mentor. You, you tend to start being kind of um, the mom of the group unintentionally. And Mm -hmm. that connotation doesn't bold well, that doesn't fit well in corporate America's um, ideal or mold of a leader, right? Mm -hmm. So, so often we, we see this um, negativity toward what we would, what we would traditionally consider in our society and our culture, feminine energy. Uh, being a nurturer, being someone that is is focused on people, and but but what we um, fail to highlight as a community, as those that are leaders in, in corporate, there's a failure to highlight the fact that we do balance both the hard skills and the soft skills, and we okay. do it quite well, uh, but that is not rewarded as it, as I think it should be. You know, Angel, it's so funny you say this because I was just doing um, a, a webinar the other day where I did some research and a lot of that research is saying exactly what you talked about, like those soft skills, um, especially now in this post-pandemic corporate space, are superpowers, right? Those are the skills that organizations are realizing they need to hone in on because those are the skills that are keeping employees staying within an organization, right? When they feel that someone cares about them as an individual, that they're feeling nurtured, that they know how to mediate um, challenges and have difficult conversations, um, understand emotional intelligence, right? Building psychological safety. Those are the things that employees are now saying that they want to get out of their experience at work. So if these are the skills that, you know, women tend to have and balance kind of the traditional leadership with these softer skills, how can we tap into this as our superpower? Absolutely. It's to not diminish it, right? To not think of, oh, let me be careful, right? Go absolutely lead Mm. with that. If, If that is your thing, if that's your jam, if that's what you're good at, absolutely double down in that. And I just tell women that I coach is one of two things. One, you might absolutely need to think about moving your feet (laughs) and going to an organization where those skills will not be put up with, but Mm. celebrated and as true leadership skills, right? So, um, So if you're sitting in a seat where that's your superpower, but you know for a fact that it's not being validated or recognized or seen, 
um, as something that's a good thing, then it's it's time to get with a coach to talk about how you position yourself to maybe move out of that department, um, off of that team, or, or maybe even out of that company. Uh, the second thing to say that I tell everybody, which was which is a bit antithesis to how we are in corporate, right? So you, you got to think corporate. You you got to think. I'm, I'm coming from a tech background, so you have to think. You know, '90s, 2000s, the consulting mindset. The, the early mornings, the late nights, um, the drinks after work, the networking events, um, the, the schmoozing of clients, right? You, you got you to gotta keep in mind of that. I know it's, it sounds yeah, like I'm culture. depicting a 1950s madman culture, I know, but that is absolutely the case. That's so it. This, yeah. this high churn and burn, this, um, you know, oh, we have a customer problem. Let's drop everything and deal with it. Oh, the system is down. Um, or we have a huge upgrade across, you know, 10 different time zones and, you know, 12, 12 different countries and all hands on deck. It's an adrenaline rush in terms yeah. of the work that we do sometimes. And that power, that adrenaline can be a bit addictive and that can create unintentionally create one of those, the, a hero culture, somebody mm -hmm. that, that swoops in to save the day. Um, and that also leads to a reactive culture. So think about the individual who's sitting back thinking, well, how can we prevent from staying up all night? How can we prevent yes. burning our employees out? How can we plan this project in a way so that we aren't going live across 10 different time zones in 20 different countries at one time? Yeah. And that that person sometimes will look that like they have two heads and in order because you're trying to prevent, you're trying to lead with people, be people focused, yeah. right? And not necessarily task driven and not necessarily driven by revenue, right? Yeah. And so when you when you have this clash of cultures, um, it you you quickly see, quickly see that something is amiss and that we're spouting people first, we're toting having women and those from underrepresented racial and ethnic populations be leaders, um, being high potential candidates. We're talking about them climbing the corporate ladder, but at the same time, we're not doing anything to support it. The numbers aren't moving and um, it's just giving lip service. And so I quite, quite transparently, I will say, um, when are we going to stop putting lipstick on this pig? And, and do some real work, right? And, and really look at how we categorize, how we have unconscious bias around yeah. real leadership skills. And real leadership skills is holistic. It's taking care of the employee as right. well as nurturing the bottom line. Absolutely. You know, and so that is what a lot of the research is starting to lean towards now, again, in this post-pandemic um, workforce where people have prioritized their own health, their own families, you know, how they're looking at work. And, you know, the, the environment that you just described is such that many of them are like, I'm out. Like, I, I don't need to kill myself for an organization that is just going to push me, my dead body aside. Right. And fill it with someone else very quickly. 
right? And so it's like, right, literally. So it's if you don't care for me as a person that's spending a majority of my time making money for you, yes. then I can go somewhere else. I can make money on my own, right? People are opting out of this this lifestyle. And so, you know, what I'm hearing from you is really this seismic shift in in two ways. Organizations needing to understand that leadership, um, and I, I talk a lot about inclusive leadership, like what does that look like yes. within our organization? Because now you're dealing with creating cultures of awareness and um, cultures of humanness and understanding the human element of what that looks like and what that means. Because again, if you invest in your people, they will do the work, right? To get you yes. to the bottom line. But if you put that bottom line first by any means necessary and you're killing your people out, right? You're, you're not going to survive um, as long as you, you think you will. So I think there's that shift of it where understanding people are, employees are looking for things in a very different way, but then leaders need the support to be able to become leaders and not just managers, right? I, I have this um, a phrase I've been using lately where it's people get promoted because of what they do with widgets. They make, break, sell, promote, whatever, widgets. They don't get promoted because of their people skills. I know. And so, so what we yeah. need to start doing is shifting away from the widget mentality to the people mentality because everyone can make sell break widgets it's how are you supporting the folks that are doing that in a way where they will continue to not just make break sell them but innovate them as well right and take you to the next level so you know what i'm hearing and, and what i'm seeing and what you're saying and, and just the research as well is really a different model of the corporate space that again, we've opened Pandora's box with this pandemic. We're not going back, right? No. People feel no, I'm not, I'm not. Right? <laughs> working from home and you know being forced to go back into the office. People are opting out of that, and I understand why. You know, there are leases and there's a business reason behind many of that. But if the reason is because we want to see you. We're now working with four, five generations in the workforce, right? Where some, the younger generations are like, you don't need to see me. No, just no. I'm hitting, right. And I think that that is starting to impact, again, some older generations and like, yeah, you don't need to see me either. Right? <laughs> priorities, priorities are shifting and changing. And so organizations are going to quickly learn that they're going to have to change on the front end or they're going to constantly see this attrition going out the back door. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. And we have so, to think that there's a there's a, a laundry, a conundrum of factors that are playing in here right now. Right. I mean, you have the the, the mental health awareness piece yeah. brings out the fact of we get to talk about that at work. I mean, I was blown away when when we came back from from the pandemic. And this was probably like maybe the first or second in-person event. Uh, that we had is a, a, a gentleman came in from uh, Colorado and bought in um, all of his his sales team, 
and they were physically at our location. Him and I were just having a very casual chat at break. And mm -hmm. he made a comment like, hey, I saw my counselor yesterday and she said, fill in the blank. And mm -hmm. I just kind of paused and looked at him like, OK, number one, I am thoroughly impressed that you, sir, are seeing a counselor. <laughs> number two, I am genuinely honored that you felt comfortable enough to share that with me. Yeah. And three, we're in a work environment on a break talking about our therapists. That yeah. is just so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I had a a, um, a leader yesterday on a webinar who said, I'm honest with my team. I told them I needed a mental health day and I told him it was a mental health day. And he's like, I model the behavior that I want them to see. I can't tell them to take days for themselves if I'm not doing the same, if I'm breaking down at work. And I just thought that that, again, to your point is we're in a very different mindset where you don't... We, when you tell people to bring their authentic selves to work, that's part of that. We don't leave that at the door, right? And so it's modeling right. that behavior. Um, I want to do a little bit of a pivot because I want to ask you, like, as you're working with these women and organizations that are trying to support women in their leadership development, what are like one or two things that they should think about as they're thinking about their own professional development? Oh my goodness. Oh, where do we start? Okay. You said one or two. You said one or two, Sasha. You're, you're killing me here. Um, okay. So the first thing that always comes to mind that I always say is sponsorship. Uh, mm. Women and minorities, meaning those from underrepresented ethnic and racial populations. So think African-Americans, um, Latinx, uh, Hispanic, um, uh, immigrants, right? Those populations are over mentored yes. and hopefully under sponsored. Yes. And the, the short difference between the two is a mentor is a two way trusted relationship. And the hallmark of that relationship is time. The mentor is just simply giving their time to the mentee. That's why it's so easy to mentor us. However, sponsorship means that I give up my political and social capital that I have in the organization for your direct benefit. Well, that means that that's a little bit more risky. That means mm -hmm. that the moment that I go to recommend you, Sasha, for a promotion, you best better, you yeah. better perform, right, at that mm -hmm. next level. Like, there's no question. If I am putting my name to have your name in the hat, you better, like, kick button, take names, right? When you get yeah. there. Um, if I recommend you for, you know, a huge presentation in front of the board, you best better believe you and I are going to be spending nights and weekends. And I'm going to make sure that every slide is perfect, that there's no miss, miss yeah. typo. There's no typo, no, no misquote. Um, your delivery is going to be flawless because I am investing in you in yeah. order to represent me and my name well, because I'm the one that recommended you. Now, if you go into that um, boardroom and you bomb and I'm your mentor, well, I can just say, hey, I'm mentoring her. You know, well, we'll take that feedback and we'll work. Right. On we're it. working on it. Yeah. yeah there's, there's not much skin in the game for me as your mentor. Again, it's just my time. Um, but we really need sponsorship. I think that's the number one thing that's going to statistically significantly move the needle 
in every area for women and those from underrepresented populations into um, leadership, senior leadership positions. And I mean positions where there's authority, accountability, um, where they own a profit and loss or a budget, uh, where they can make policy uh, and break policy, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a direct impact on recruitment and, um, and how the operation runs. Uh, the second thing that I recommend for women to do, uh, especially the younger women, okay, um, those that are a bit more entrenched in their careers um, are going to have a harder time pivoting to this. But if you're young enough, I highly recommend that you do a stint in a business role, in an operations mm-hmm. role. Um, think, think sales, think uh, marketing, uh, excuse me, not marketing, think sales, think operations, uh, one mm-hmm. where there is a direct line to selling and making that widget, right? Product mm-hmm. development, okay? And I say that because those those are the core experiences that are looked at when any individual, any individual is considered for a senior le- level or a C-suite uh, role, right? Um, we tend to be in supportive roles, like for me, project management. Um, we tend to be in supportive roles like marketing and HR. Mm-hmm. And all, although those areas are strategic and important, quite frankly, though, um, they are what we call um, expense centers, right? Where, where they're costing the organization money to run, not directly making money. Right. So having having leadership experience, direct leadership experience as a manager or senior manager in an operations role or sales role is what can absolutely catapult your career into those more senior levels. Um, it just it's going to it's going to make it harder for them to turn you down um, because you do have that that tangible yeah. skill versus yeah. HR marketing IT. I love that. Um you know, again, my background's in marketing, but I absolutely see how that can be so impactful. Um, you know, and I work so closely with our sales organization and understanding, like, even though we primed the pipeline in marketing, sales made the deal, right? They were the ones bringing that money in. And so that's, there was a little bit of contention there, but having done that, particularly in tech, I understand exactly what you're saying, right? To be able to be a sales leader and be able to drive revenue um, is absolute is powerful, is very powerful in yeah. in decision making and making sure you know who you understand who's at the table and why, right? Sales is always going to be exactly. at that table. So I love that, and then I'm glad that you mentioned sponsorship versus mentorship. We've had several episodes talking about the importance of mentorship, and that is an important piece. But I think that that sponsorship piece is absolutely critical as well, too. Like, who is willing to risk something for your success, right, for your growth? And when you think about it from that perspective, um, there are very few people that step into that sponsorship role um, because of that risk, right? Right. I say it's very similar to allyship. Everybody wants to be an ally. Everybody wants to, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm an ally. I'm like, to whom? Because if it's self-appointed, then it's not allyship. And I look at it the same way with mentorship to some degree, right? Okay, so yes, you're mentoring them, 
excuse me, you're mentoring them, but what are you willing to risk in your career for them, right? It's an extra step that you need to take. Um, and so that's why I, I truly appreciate um, those two things that you shared, because they are things that, particularly as women of color, we're constantly told, get a mentor, get a mentor, get a mentor. Yep. We got a million mentors. We, <laughs> we need sponsors. Mentor. So, so <laughs> yes. I love y'all. love all my mentors because I still have mentors. But I also know who the folks are in my circle that are sponsors as well, too, and willing to put me in positions that I may not think that I'm ready for, but they feel, you know what? I got you, right? You're going to show and prove, and then they push you out on the stage to perform. So absolutely get that. Um, I want to ask one more question before we kind of start closing up, but what can organizations do to help support women that are trying to be on a growth trajectory in their organization? You know, one of the things that I often see and I get frustrated with is there's a lot of um, programs around like women development and women's leadership and all of that. And I'm like, it's great, but it means nothing unless it's tied to succession planning, unless it's tied to some other way that they, the skills that you're infusing in them can be used within the organization and help build their trajectory within that organization. So I know that that was probably just one of them, but if you could talk about some other things that organizations can do um, to truly support women that are trying to grow within those organizations. Absolutely. Um, the three things that come to mind quickly are one, uh, we are talking about changing perspective. We are talking about changing your culture. And anytime you are introducing a change, you're going to have to introduce incentives as well as punishment. Okay. Mm -hmm. I know nobody wants to say it. Ooh, yes. I know nobody wants to say it. It's punishment. I mean, let's, <laughs> let's not dress it up. Let's let's call it what it is. If you don't do X, yeah. this bad thing will happen. Okay. Um, so that, that's what we're really talking about. So, so what incentive is there for me to jump on the bandwagon and do this and be an early adopter? That's one. Yeah. And yeah. then if I if I choose not to engage, if you come at me with all this hoo-ha about DEI and training and blah blah, and I just don't buy it. I just don't buy into it. I think. This is lip service. I think it's still all about the bottom line. I think this company is just pretending. If that's your mindset, then the way that you're going to get my attention is through punishment. If I don't do this, then I will lose my role as a fill in the blank manager, VP, whatever the case may be. Like, oh, OK, now you got my attention. Now I know you're serious. OK, so that's mm -hmm. one. Um, so by what that looks like tangibly is that we're going to tie this to your, um, uh, your action plan. Every organization has an OKR or strategic objectives or, you know, targets. Well, hold on, let's take a pause. We're going to take a pause real quick because you, you cut out for a second. Oh, okay. Okay, so let's start back at, um, so your second thing was around tying it to Yes. And then you kind of cut out. Oh, did I? Okay. 
Um, yes. So I was saying tying it to your objectives, your um, OKRs, your targets, uh, whatever, de whatever departmental metrics that you have for your organization, the, the leader of that business unit has personal objectives that they have to meet. So tying in the uh, incentives around targets for number of diverse candidates uh, in the pop in the candidate pool when they for every opening that they have, uh, the number of women or the number of underrepresented uh, folks from from various populations uh, to to be in senior leadership. Those are tangible targets with numbers attached that can be attached to that individual business leaders. Um, uh, goals and objectives. And you best better believe that if you're going to tie my performance to hitting certain metrics, those metrics are going to get hit. You know, now, yeah, oh, go, go ahead. No, no say, I love that because one of the things that I do around psychological safety is everyone gets a score. Yep. Right. And so yeah. that's one of those metrics because now it's not just the number of black and brown butts and seats. It's how psychologically safe does your team feel by demographics, mm -hmm. right? So yeah, it. it's now measuring that inclusion part. It's not just the diversity part, but it's that inclusion part. And then to you, what you're leaning toward too is like equity. How are you balancing this out and giving everyone what they need in order to succeed and how successful are they going to be? Okay, continue. I'm sorry, my brain just... <laughs> downhill, right? I mean, if yeah. I'm of a department and that's on my metrics, you best better believe it's going to be on my senior directors. Yeah, it's going to be on my directors and it's going to be amazing. So that's a quick way, a super quick way to have accountability cascaded down throughout the leadership. Yeah. The second thing is, like I said, we can call it accountability. I call it the real deal with just punishment. You tie it to my bonus. Yeah. Okay. So if I if I get 10, I mean, some of these bonuses are, are pretty good, right? If I yeah. get 10, 15 percent, uh, you know, company earnings, uh, that, you know, for my department and, you know, we whip out the calculator and do the do the math. And if I stand to make an extra twenty five thousand dollars a month, if I hit these targets, well, you got my That's attention. Yeah. But conversely. If if you take away that money, I don't get that extra 25k a month because I didn't hit it. Well, now we have a we we having a different conversation, right? Yeah. This, this quickly it gets up on the radar about how do we do this? How do we do it well and how do we sustain it? Because we all know when you start putting numbers and metrics to things, you can get some bad behavior and some bad actors. Yeah. So, yes, there are some checks and balances that that absolutely have to be put in place. Um, however, it it's a conversation that we that we have to have. So if somebody's listening to this and they're thinking, whoa, 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 Angel, that pendulum you just talked about is swinging pretty far to the to the right here. Hold on a second, sister. I'm going to say to you, the pendulum has not swung at all. So yeah. if I'm swinging it a little too hard, it's because I'm trying to get some momentum. OK, and we can always come back. We can always adjust if we see that the behavior is is not what we want it to be. But we got to get going. And right now we have not even started. You know, and I think what's important about that, too, is. Um, how is it tied to your company values? Right. If you say you value diversity, what does that look like yes. tangibly? 
right? And so what you're saying is just justifying that. We value diversity, really? Okay, how does, what does that look like to the compensation of our leaders in this organization? You know, if they're doing what that means, then we're going to pay them for that. Right. So I think that's a great way to tie it back to, you know, what's your company's North Star? What are the things that you all value and you have written on the cafeteria wall? Yes. I mean, I walked into an organization um, that sold cars and everywhere, everywhere they were talking about quality. Right. They want to make sure that their employees were safe. They want to make sure that the cars that they were putting out were safe. There were quality metrics like wallpaper. Okay. Well, where's your metric about your people? Right. And, you know, so we care about the thing that we're putting out, right? We care about the safety and the product and making sure that that's of good quality because that we know that's going to make us money. We can't put out crap and expect right. to be in business for long. So if that's obviously something you care about, which is quality, we, we visibly see it. Where's the visibility? Where's the tangibility around your people? Yeah. Yeah. What does quality mean when it comes to your people? Right. Like, how do you define that for your employees? I love it. So, Angel, I want to do a little pivot here and ask you, like, how do you fill your cup? What are the things that you do to take care of yourself as you're doing this work and breaking ceilings? And (laughs) yes, all of that. All of that. Um. It is, I am blessed to have cultivated a tribe of phenomenal women um, who who pour into me on a daily basis uh, from, you know, text messages. We have a little text group we have when we when we wake up and we're like, you know, good morning, lovely, you know, make today a great day. And we'll send, you know, little memes or little, you know, happy things. And then I thought to myself, well, I want to expand this goodness. I want to take this goodness that I'm, you know, created on this little four or five person text group and get it out there. So I have, you know, now a Facebook group called Ceiling Breakers. And every Monday I'll go on and I'll share the good, the bad, and the ugly. And those that have, are a part of that group, it's a small group, but those that are part of it know that I share the good, the bad, and the ugly. Like there's like, there's no makeup, literally, <laughs> there's no makeup, right? Um, How much you are, that. yes. Yeah, we need that. We need a group where we can feel psychologically safe mm-hmm. and share the good, the bad, and the ugly of what's going on. Because Sasha, as you know, the work that we do, it absolutely is triggering. We will absolutely attend a training. We will absolutely get in front of a, a manager or a CEO that says they, you know, they want our services. They want us to come in and they start talking and you're like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. Let's start at ground zero, you know? So um, it, it is, it is, it is psychologically taxing to mm-hmm. do this work when you're talking about gender equity, when you're trying to explain um, um, why it's so important to have accessibility, like just physical accessibility. Like I worked at a company one time, I looked around, I was like, oh my gosh. And, and it, it only triggered me because there was a gentleman who had uh, broke his leg and he was on like the little scooter they had to get around. And I was thinking to myself like, 
gosh, all the steps that we have and all that, you know, I was just kind of mentally going through, like, there's no way I would want to have any sort of physical disability or, and, and have to navigate this workplace, this workspace, like, oh, and, um, and so, and then you start thinking about, you know, I challenge, you know, white men, heterosexual white men to say, think about it for a second. Is, is this a place, is this a space that you would want to work in if you were, let's say a black female twenties with, um, as a single mom with one child, one toddler, is this a place that you would want to work at if that were you? And then you start quickly seeing some of the, like, yeah. oh. sometimes you don't even have to go that far. It's like, is this a place you would want your daughter to work? Right. And then it's like, oh, <laughs> Oh, oh, things well, need to oh change. Yeah. Really? Right. Really? Let's let's yeah. talk about what needs to change. Yeah. You know. Exactly. Well, Angel, thank you so much for for being with us. If people wanted to connect with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Yes, absolutely. Um, Angel-Henry.com is the website, and uh, you go there, put your information in, and you're you you are a part of my network. Um, another thing is dentsinthecealing.com. That's where you'll find all about the book. And um, I'm happy to say that the book is not just for African-American women. Throughout is threaded in there talking to people who want to move from passive allyship to active allyship. Mm-hmm. I give specific behaviors and things to say, like the words that are coming out of your mouth. This is what you say when you find yourself in this situation. That is sprinkled throughout the book at the end of every chapter. And there's a a free companion journal to both uh, the women that read the book and to active allies. Wonderful. All right. Well, thank you so much, Angel, for being with us. I, I, my notes, I always take lots of notes. And so writing all kinds of nuggets down for this. So thank you so much for being here and thank you all for being with us for this episode of DEI After 5. As always, you can find us here every Tuesday at 5.15 p.m. Eastern on YouTube or where you listen to your podcast. Um, Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, share, do all of the things, comment, um, and we'll see you next time. Have a good one. 